Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Praise the Lord. Let's study the Word here for just a little bit. If you will, go to 2 Kings. We've been teaching now on these communion services on divine healing. And I tell you, it's just not very many people that do that anymore, which is a shame, I think. Great teaching revival that I got to be a part of in the 80s and 90s, in which a lot of people were teaching, especially on the two subjects of prosperity and healing. And I just kind of don't know what people teach on anymore when it comes to these things. And It doesn't matter. God hadn't changed. And His Word is still true. Amen. He still wants you healed in your body. And uh, He paid an awesome price for you to be healed. Thank God for it. Amen. Now, any teaching on healing should include this story in 2 Kings chapter 5 of Naaman the leper. We know, you know, he was a, a mighty general in the Syrian army and uh, had great authority and probably great wealth. We know he had great wealth because he took a lot of wealth with him when he went to the prophet's house. But he had leprosy. Now, the amazing phenomenon of his healing was that because of his, what would you say, ethnic background or his affiliation with the nation he was a part of, he had no right to healing whatsoever. He had no right to healing. Uh, there was no covenant with the Syrian people. Uh, there was a covenant with the, the Jewish people. Uh, but this man uh, stepped across that line and received a healing. But there was great, how can I say this, there was great resistance in him uh, uh, to this act of mercy that God performed on his behalf because of his mind. Now, that's literally many times where the battle is fought. Not many times, all the time. Where the battle is either fought or where the battle is either won or lost is in your mind. And you've got to make a decision to condition your mind toward healing. Because whether you realize it or not, your mind is already conditioned toward sickness and disease. It's just as natural as anything else, let's just say it like this, you're born with it, but thank God you got born again. That's why God requires over there in Romans chapter 12 that we renew our mind, and renewing your mind toward the subject of divine healing will keep you healthy and get you healed when you need it. Not only will you be, uh, get, get healed when you need it, but you can walk in divine health by, by, by conditioning your mind. You know, there's, there's certain things you do over a period of time through repetition that you can begin to rely on operating even when you don't think about it. About, oh, I don't know, six years ago, six or seven years ago, uh, my dad and all his cronies uh, invited me to come play badminton with them. And when I first started playing badminton, I'm telling you, it was one of the most awkward things I'd ever done in my life. I mean, you know, you take this racket and you hit this little bird, and it's not like the badminton you see, you know, like the girls in skirts play. It's a little different than that, you know. It's a pretty intense game. And it took me literally three to four years for my muscles and my mindset to be conditioned to react to the speed of that game. I mean, it, it literally. 
Because you don't, you can't think about, well, I'm going to hit this or do You can't do it. The game goes too fast, and you literally have to condition yourself to be able to do it. It's like that with most sports. Most sports, people play it long enough through repetition. If they're good at it, what they do is they, it's called muscle memory is what happens. Your, your muscles just all of a sudden get conditioned to certain moves, to certain acts, and next thing you know, unconsciously, you're doing that. Well, you need to renew your mind to healing like the same way where there are unconscious reactions to different things in your life that you respond to according to the Word of God instead of responding to it according to the world and the world system. You know, immediately when you cough <coughs> or have a scratchy throat when you get up in the morning, what do you think? The battle can be won or lost right there. I mean, you get up in the morning, your back hurts. The battle can be won or lost right there. How you respond, how you react, what you do. Do we pay the light bill? Glad we did. What you do can determine whether you receive healing right then or there or whether sickness and disease comes on you. Now, now today you can't hardly watch TV. But the pharmaceutical commercials are, are, are designed to condition you to sickness and disease even when you take their medicine. It's crazy. I'm like, <laughs> you know, many of them are, you know, your, your, your hands are going to fall off, your hair is going to fall out, your eyeballs are going to pop, and you probably are going to die. But we, this is really good medicine anyway, you know, for toenail fungus or something. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. So what you've got to do is you've got to put yourself on a daily routine of the Word of God when it comes to healing. Your healing scriptures that you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth every day. You say, well, Pastor, what about the days I feel good? That's when you are working, working, working on your, your, your muscle memory, so to speak. And conditioning yourself not to think sick, but to think healed. You must do that. Now, here with Naaman, notice this. I'm just going to pick up the story and, oh, let's see. Verse 9, so Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come unto, unto, unto thee, and thou shalt be clean. Now, notice the next verse, verse 11. And Naaman was wroth. Uh, uh, other translations said he was mad. One said he was very angry. Listen, his response to what the prophet said was not the right response. He did not have a reaction conducive to the action that God wanted to produce. Now let me say that again. He did not have an action conducive to to the act, he did not have a reaction to the action that God required of him. Now, you have to think in your own mind do I have actions in my life and reactions in my life required by God of me in order to walk in health and healing? Or do I respond to sickness, disease, pain, symptoms in my body more than I respond to the Word of God? Now, you've got you to you determine that in your mind. Because if you don't, then you're going to be constantly under the influence of anything your body will communicate to you and tell you. Amen? I mean, you can get bit by a mosquito and raise a, raise a, a, you know, a lump on the side of your, your, your face, and the devil will tell you it's terminal cancer. And the problem is, so much of the sickness and disease in America today is psychosomatic, where you believe you are sick, and eventually your body catches up with what you believe. There are people that are just hypochondriacs. 
everything that comes through, they get it. They have it. They possess it. Amen? And they talk about it. And they rehearse it. And their entire being. I mean, you go to, go to uh, 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 cities like Galveston. How many pharmacies do we have? How many clinics are there? How many doctors are there? There's nothing wrong with people getting treated. But I'm telling you, there is a lot that goes on in society in which people are just responding to thoughts imparted to them by the media, by, by, by their friends and neighbors, by what people say. Listen, what initiates flu season is the thought of flu season. What initiates allergy season is it's allergy season. So everybody with allergies go, oh, it's time for my nose to start running. Time for my eyes to swell up. Time for me to go down and get my, you know, stuff that they make methamphetamines out of. That's what you take. Amen. <laughs> I mean, that's what you take, so you might as well admit it. But anyway, you've got to take and recondition yourself so that you're not like Naaman. And when God says, do this, do that, do this, do that, you don't get mad. Because in order to walk in divine health, you're going to have to respond to what God speaks to you. And when God speaks to you, you can't approach what He says to you with anger. Here is Naaman. He comes with leprosy, an incurable disease that eats you away, just dissolves you from the outside in. And he comes up, and a man walks out. He's not the prophet. He's just a servant. And he says what God says, because Elisha is speaking as the servant of God. He's giving him the word of the Lord. What God says is what you need to do is go down to the Jordan River, river and dip in the river seven times. Number one, doesn't make any sense. Think about it. Dip in the river seven times. Why? That's the first thing his mind probably said. Why? We know that he asked the question later. Aren't there some better rivers in Syria that I could go dip in them? Why can't I go dip in them? Automatically, your brain will begin to produce questions when it comes to the Word of God. And when your mind begins to produce questions when it comes to the Word of God, you need to recognize that is an attack against your faith. Whether it be for healing, whether it be for finances or anything else, what it is is your carnal mind, which is enmity toward God, raising up a resistance toward that which God says. Now, people say, you know, they tend to be so spiritual. Well, you know, I don't think that's, you know, I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray. That's not going to happen to me. It happens to us all the time. We must realize when we got born again, our minds did not get saved. Remember what Peter said in Acts chapter 2. He said, save yourself from this wicked and untoward generation. You're going to have to save yourself from the way people think about sickness and disease in our society if you're going to walk in divine health. And you're going to have to save yourself by renewing your mind with the Word of God when it comes to that which God says about your health and healing. And it's an everyday process. You ever notice when you get sick, you're sick every day till you're well? Now think about that for a minute. You ever notice when you get sick, you're sick every day till you're well? But people, they want an instantaneous answer from God, not realizing, we, we talked about it this morning, that you need to sow seeds of healing and grow a crop of healing. You say, what do you mean by that? Because in sowing seeds of healing and raising a crop of healing, you not only have healing to partake of for yourself, you have healing to give to other people. 
Now notice Naaman. Everybody say Naaman. We're going to get him healed here in a minute. He says, but Naaman was wroth and went away. Everybody say went away. And he said, behold, I thought. Everybody say I thought. So that shows his intellect is active against that which God wants to do. Now think about that again. His intellect. Now this is not a born again man. This is not a man whose spirit is connected to God. This is just, just, just an individual born under the curse of Adam's fall that ended up with leprosy. Are you with me? But God's wanting to do a healing and leave us an example. Always remember this, that the Old Testament is written for us as an example. New Testament is written to us as God's children. Are you with me? I thought, everybody say, I thought. Immediately thoughts began to array themselves against what the servant of the prophet said that God had said. I thought, everybody say, I thought. He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his Lord, a Lord is God, strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. So he had it figured out that he was going to be ministered to by the prophet through the ministry of laying on of hands. How he knew that, I don't know. But that's what he thought. And because he thought that way, I'm so glad God put that in there. You say, why? Because he had a spiritual thought about how he was going to get this. And many times with healing and health, that's what we do. We think just because it's a spiritual thought, it's a good thought. But it may not be a good thought. I remember when I was in Bible school, I used to sit on the uh, 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 second row right behind Brother and Sister Osteen. And so every service, they would have people come up and they would pray and minister to them. And, and back then, we would have two to three hundred people would crowd around that, around that front of, front of uh, Lakewood Church and just, you know, be in mass. It'd take them sometimes up to 45 minutes to pray for everybody. And so Pastor Doty would call on different people and, and, you know, they'd come up and pray. Different There were elders in the church. There were other ministers. Many ministers came to the church. So they would, you know, Charles and Francis Hunter would be there. They'd call on them. They'd call on other ministers that would be there. So one Wednesday night, I was sitting there, and she pointed at me and say, she said, Now, Rusty, you come up here and help me pray for these people because you're going to be doing this the rest of your life. So I was all excited. I got up, and I ran up there, and I was going to pray for that first person. And I reached out to lay hands on them, and they had this look on their face like this. Because they didn't come to Lakewood Church that night to have a Bible school lay hands on them. A Bible school student lay hands on them. Amen. They wanted the pastor. They wanted the pastor's wife. They wanted someone who they thought had authority or power. But they didn't realize I could get them healed just like anybody else could. Amen. And so I just prayed for them and prayed for a few more. Prayed, but I prayed for about 10 or 12 people and then the anointing came on me. And I just begin to lay hands. People begin to fall out under the power. And I begin to experience for the first time what it meant to minister to the sick. But those first couple of people, I could tell they wasn't getting nothing. Not from me anyway. Amen. So you've got to realize there may be a way in which you have not considered to be healed. One of the craziest healing testimonies, I've talked about it before. If y'all remember... Two fall harvest conferences ago, we took up a $100,000 offering for, a, for a, a Clarence Matheny's son who pastors a church in Nairobi, Kenya. And uh, Clarence, who was the missionary, he was a mean old sailor is what he was. He was in the Navy and was mean. And, 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 and his wife had been in a car wreck and was horribly disfigured. And, and, and they went to a tent meeting out in the country and he, his wife said, I'm going to go up and get healed, and God's going to fix my face. And so Clarence said, if he doesn't, I'm going to beat the tar out of him. 
And so she went, got healed, and Clarence got saved and called to be a missionary in Africa. Well, as a missionary in Africa, she got this cough, this, this, this horribly, he said it was terrible. There were nights that he couldn't sleep in the room with her, and just kind of a hacking cough. They'd been to doctors. They'd tried all kinds of stuff. So one night when that cough was persistently bad, this had gone on for five or six years, he cried out to God and said, God, we must have relief. You're, 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 you're the healer of our bodies. You know what I mean? They were, they were people of great faith. And the Holy Ghost said to him, Go get a warm cup of water and put a teaspoon of vinegar in it and give it to her and she'll never cough again. So she went, he went and got a warm cup of water, put a teaspoon of vinegar in it, gave it to her and she never coughed again. But if you go home and get a warm cup of water and put a teaspoon of vinegar in it, all you're going to do is drink something kind of nasty. Amen. Now immediately... When God spoke that to Brother Clarence, he could have had a thought. Why not Dr. Pepper? Doesn't that taste better than vinegar and water? Maybe even iced tea, a cup of hot coffee, a smoothie? <laughs> Amen. But no, he immediately obeyed God, and it was not that vinegar and warm water heal coughs, is that's what God required of his faith and her faith, and she was healed and never coughed again. Now, notice Naaman. I thought, everybody say, I thought. He will come, strike his hand over the leper, recover the leper. Are not there abide on the far rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Now, that, that shows us that many times when we when we resist God's demands upon us, when it comes to our acts of faith, we don't get better, we get worse. I always say it like this. We don't get better, we get bitter. Amen? We get madder, you know? And that's exactly what was happening to him. But this is, what's the, this is the neat part. This is what I want to get to tonight. I'll just spend a minute on it. His servants came near and spake unto him, saying, My father... If the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he said, saith unto thee, wash and be clean. Now what this servant did. Now in this particular scripture, all through the old covenant we have types. Everybody say types. And shadows. Everybody say shadows. Now in this story, the servant is a type of the Holy Ghost. A type of the Spirit of God which comes and stimulates His reasoning in a different way. Amen? Now he had to think a different thought. A thought other than, well, why not my, my rivers that are clean? Why, why the dirty old Jordan River? Why not, why not my rivers that are in Syria instead of a, a river that is in Israel? That process was keeping him leprous. Are you with me? Then all of a sudden, the servant came and challenged his thinking and literally arrested his pride. You know, if he'd have been able to do, you know, some great thing. You know, and that's many times the way it is. is you know, we're willing to do some great thing, but it's the simple thing. It's just the simple thing. It's just, you know, I know a lot of people, and this is not to indict anybody or say, thing to, say things uh, about people, but it's just reality. You know, you, a lot of people in the church that are fighting sickness, disease, should have came tonight. 
Now, we said this morning, how big is your want to? Is your want to big enough to come to a communion service, listen to some teaching on divine healing that may do the work of the servant in your life and change your mindset and your thinking? Our problem, now this is, I'll close with this, and this will help you. Our problem in modern society, we say modern society, we can even include third world countries or whatever you want to include, is this. Over 6,000 years, we talked about conditioning, muscle memory. We have been conditioned to live with it. I've lived with it for a week. I've lived with it for six months. And it's amazing what the human body can live with. They can keep you alive. Your kidneys can fail. They can keep you alive through dialysis. Your heart can fail. They can put gear in your chest, you know, pacemakers and all that kind of stuff. Keeps your heart beating. They couldn't do that 100 years ago. Medications, good Lord, the, the, the pharmacy companies are billion, multi-billion dollar industries now that, 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 that keep people literally, uh, they said the other day, I saw a statistic that said the average 50-year-old man takes seven prescriptions a day. The average 50-year-old man. I don't. I'm not average. Amen? So you say, what point are you trying to make? The, the fallen human race has very well adapted to learning to live with sickness and disease. They, they've built a comfort factor into that. And not willing to violate that, many people struggle. Now, when the sensational breaks loose, I love the sensational. We've seen it happen. We've seen God move in healing, uh, uh, demonstrations of healing power. Uh, back when we traveled for many years, we saw great healings. We saw whole meetings geared toward the healing power of God. People were here, especially in other countries, over in Ireland, different places like that. But listen, today, where there's not that big of a stir, you know what I'm saying? There's not that big of a stir. Used to, you could follow a few healing ministers around. Benny Hinn, he's not near what he used to be. You know why? It's not that he's any less anointed. You know the problem? There's less interest. There's just less interest. Well, you know, we can go, we can go to the doctor, we can get the prescription, we can, we can get, take the treatment, we can do this or that. But here's what you have to consider. And this is the, this is the point that, that, that really should be the point that we land upon and make a determination of why we are healed. And why we're going to do what it takes to walk in healing. And that is not our own personal comfort or the, or the release, our relief of pain. But it is the price that was paid to get us healed. That's what a lot of people do not consider. Is there was a price that was paid for you to be healed that is so off the charts, that is so awesome, that God himself would come down and allow himself to be literally tied to a post and beat to a bloody pulp and in so doing take on the very nature of sickness and disease. As it says in Isaiah, he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. He paid a price worthy of us giving the effort necessary to walk in that healing power and in that divine health. Can I get a better amen than that? Now, if that worked for Naaman, the end of the story, Naaman got his heart right, Naaman dipped in the Jordan River seven times, Naaman's skin came back as the skin of a child. 
He was totally healed of leprosy. If God is that willing to heal an uncovenanted, uncircumcised Syrian general, what is he going to do for his children? What is he going to do for his children? Well, he's going to provide for us healing in so many different ways. I was listening to Brother Hagin the other day, and he's, he counted seven different ways an individual can get healed. You know what he put at the top of the list? Faith in God's Word. He said that's the number one way to get healed is just sit there, hear the Word of God, and in your heart believe you receive and make the declaration, by faith I am healed. And the first question that rises up in your mind, well, if you're healed, then why do you still feel the way you do? That's where you have to persevere. That's where you have to fight that fight in your mind. And that's where you have to make a decision. I am not going to be denied what my Savior has purchased for me through His awesome work of redemption. For I am the healed of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your healing virtue. Working in every person in Island Church tonight. No matter what the sickness, infirmity, disease, or injury may be. We thank you that that healing life and that healing power is manifesting in our midst. Now everybody say this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Tonight, your word of healing is working in my body, in my organs, in my blood, in my glands. For I have been delivered from the power of darkness, sickness, disease, infirmity, or injury. I have been translated into the kingdom of my Lord and Savior, which is healing, health, and deliverance. Mind, I'm speaking to you. You will think healed. You will have thoughts of healing. You will meditate upon healing. I will not allow you to be lazy, but I am conditioning you to think the thoughts of God, what He thinks about me. For by His stripes, I was healed. If I was healed, then I am healed. And because I am healed, I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Now just lift your hand and give Him thanks. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you tonight for healing, healing in our bodies. Our minds are not going to rob us of it. The devil's not going to rob it. The day in which we live in, the media does not matter. We are still your healed people. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got a great testimony. When was Freedom Crusade? Fourth of July when Pastor Sam has his Freedom Crusade. We were back in the, uh, uh, no we weren't. We were over at Pastor Sam's having dinner on Fourth of July. And his daughter came to me, they have a brand new baby boy, and she was telling me about all of the physical problems that she had had before her and her husband got pregnant. And she said at Pastor Mark Brzee's conference uh, two years ago, she was getting ready, her and her husband were getting ready, and the Holy Ghost spoke to her and said, Pastor Rusty is going to preach tonight and he's going to call you out and you're going to be healed of all of that. You were there, you remember that. And, and so she said this. I thought it was pretty funny because I didn't remember it. I usually don't remember that kind of stuff. But I thought it was a great testimony. 
She said, you got up and preached, and it was a great service. And then you turned to Pastor Sam, and he didn't have nothing turned to Pastor And you started walking toward your seat. And she said, in my spirit, I cried out. I said, no. She said, I never just said this. She said, but in my heart, I cried out, no, Lord. You said he was going to call me out. She said this. She said, you turned around, walked right back to the pulpit, and turned around and called out exactly what I had. And you and Pastor Lee ministered to, to me, and I was totally healed. And then we got pregnant and had this little baby boy. I think his name is Oliver now. Isn't that cool? Now, that's one way. Everybody say one way. But there are so many other ways. And the best way is to sit there and absorb the Word into your heart, strengthening your spirit, man, so that your mind doesn't talk you out of it. And if you'll do that, not only will you be healed, you'll walk in divine healing. Amen? Gentlemen, you can come and get the communion implements for us tonight and pass them out. Don't you love receiving communion? Glory to God. Look at our communion scripture over here in 1 Corinthians 11. Thank you, Brother Danny. We invite every person, everyone, to receive communion with us tonight. The only requirement is to be born again. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior tonight, you are more than welcome to receive communion. Verse 23, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, everybody say the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. I've always been amazed at how all of the drama that happened on that night didn't stop him from proceeding forward to the cross. You know, a lot of people, you know, if somebody parks in your parking place, you know, you quit the church and go find another church, you know. <laughs> Amen. But Jesus knew he was going to be denied, betrayed, all that was going to happen. But that didn't keep him from covenant practice. He stayed right with it. Sometimes you, you just got to stay right with it. Amen. And notice what it said. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Everybody say, for me. He says, This do ye in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Everybody say blood. Now, this, this is a good point to make because the Bible says the life is in the blood. Everybody say the life is in the blood. Say the life is in the blood. So what's in the New Testament? What's in the New Covenant? Life. Everybody say life. Glory to God. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft... Thank you, Brother Bobby. For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, in an unworthy fashion or manner, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man or woman examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily or in an unworthy fashion eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, 
not discerning the Lord's body. Now, this is a key point and something we're going to emphasize a little more as we wind up our summer and go into the fall teaching on healing. To study the word communion and to understand communion is to understand that two pour into one cup to make one. Did you hear what I said? It's a, it's a, it's a phenomenon unique to God's interaction with humanity. But not only God's interaction with humanity, but humanity's interaction with each other. In a negative way, it has brought great harm to this planet. Communion has. You say, you mean taking the, 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 the bread and the... No, 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 not that. But two people pouring in to make one. How, think of this. I was, I was meditating on this the other day because I'd watched some things on the... We have a... a channel on our on our television called the Smithsonian channel and they're always doing you know something pretty neat and there were some things about World War II I was watching because I like to study that stuff here's this 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 perverted man with this perverted idea in his mind and he tries to implement it and he ends up in prison and in prison he documents his perversion we're talking about Adolf Hitler now what began as just a thought in his mind he began to commune with people. He began to pour into them. They began to pour their ideas into it. And out of it came the Third Reich. Literally, there are occultic practices that those guys practices that are imitations and false communions. Where they literally take their blood. The mafia does it. Where they take their blood and cut their fingers and pour it in wine. And, and out of that, you become one with that family. That means if you violate any of their rules, they have the right to kill you. The occult practices that all the time. But they're the false. This is the real. So what God wants is to pour. Everybody say pour. Pour into the communion cup that which God has done. You pour your life into it. Out of it comes the new creature who is healed, who is blessed, who is protected by God, who has a calling of God and a destiny of God upon their life. And it is because of our communion with God. Amen. Then it says this. Notice the next verse. Well, let me read it in, co in, in coalition and cooperation with the verse before it. Let a man examine himself or a woman, so let him eat of that bread, drink of the cup. For he that eateth and drinketh in an unworthy fashion, not, not understanding what they're doing, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body for this cause. Many are weak, and sickly among you, and many sleep or die at premature. You know what Paul is telling us? He's telling there's too many of you that are not taking this as serious as you ought to. You're counting the blood. You're counting the life. You're counting the anointing. You're counting it something as a very light thing in your life. You're not counting it as, as, as an important subject as it should be. It should be the most important subject of your life more important than your marriage your children your finances your health your relationship with your heavenly father through the son jesus christ by the word and through the holy ghost should be the essence of your life that should be it and in so doing when you come to the communion table what do you have to pour in you have your will you're in submission your humility you're voiding yourself of pride you're declaring your total dependency upon Him. See, humanity doesn't like that. It doesn't like to declare dependency upon anything. 
Amen. But when you come to the communion table, the most important thing that you declare is I cannot save myself. I have to have a Savior. And so He has poured out His life into the cup of communion. So I give Him the same thing. See, I've said this for years. Many times in old Pentecost, like I, I grew up in, in, a, in, in a type of old Pentecost that was transitioning into the charismatic movement. So we had less and less altar calls on Sunday night where everybody came up and got saved again. But when we first started out, we had a lot of them. Baptist denomination is very famous for that. Reconsecration. Reconsecrating yourself. Well, in so doing that, in the early years of my ministry and living for the Lord the last 34 years, I would catch myself doing that and, and making commitments to the Lord. Lord, I commit to do this. You know, I remember that was back in the days when they were teaching on prayer and you had to pray at 4 o'clock in the morning. So I made a commitment. I'm going to pray at 4 o'clock in the morning. Now, I can get up and go fishing at 4 o'clock in the morning. I can get up and go surfing at 4 o'clock in the morning. I can get up and go hunting at 4 o'clock in the morning. But get up and pray at 4 o'clock in the morning, I couldn't do it. I kept trying. I kept falling asleep. I kept trying. I kept falling asleep. And I kept thinking, I'm losing my salvation. Don't look at me. You know that exactly how it goes. So one time, I just got on my knees. I cried out to God. And I said, God, I can't do this. I can't keep my, quote, commitment. I'll never forget, forget what God said to me. He said, I do not want your commitment because I did not give you a commitment. He said, I gave you my life. Give me your life and we'll be fine. That's what communion is. He gave you his life. So it's really not some great. Now, we make consecrations. Sometimes I'll teach you on the difference between commitment and consecration. We consecrate ourselves. You know what that's to? That's to the will of God. That's what Jesus did in the garden. He prayed a prayer of consecration. Not my will, but thine be done. That's different from a commitment. But we don't make a commitment to God. We give Him our life because He gave His life for us. Take the bread, if you will. Hold it up in honor of the body of Jesus. Jesus made this statement, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Break the bread. Do it in remembrance of Him, Heavenly Father, for your broken body. It broke the power of Satan over our life. The force of iniquity, the sin nature of humanity, you so willingly took upon yourself so that it might be broken over us. In honor of you, Lord Jesus, and your broken body, we receive of the bread. After the same manner also he took the cup, which when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Hold the cup up. Lord Jesus, in honor of your precious blood, spilled seven times, offered one time upon the mercy seat of God. We thank you. It's not by acts of righteousness which we've performed. But according to your mercy, you have saved us, washed us, and regenerated us through the power of the Holy Ghost. We so thank you. We're so in awe of a God whose nature is love itself that would love us so much. He would allow the life force of blood to spill out of his body in order to redeem a fallen race. 
But we're so thankful you did. And in honor of the blood of Jesus, we receive of the cup in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now lift your hands and just worship the Lord. Oh, we worship you, Father. How we worship you tonight. We thank you for a time of communion with you. As we pour our lives into you, you pour your life into us. As you pour your life into us, we pour our life into you. You are the vine. We are the branches. In you, we live and move and have our being. We're so thankful tonight. We're a blessed people. We're a delivered people. We're a healed people. And we're a joyous people. We thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We thank you that your kingdoms not come in meat or drink, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone says... Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.